Oh, thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Woodward Tigers here at WoodwardSports.com. I'm Roy Hill. See along same as Chris Brown, Uper, and John. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you listen to podcasts. And tonight, James Fox of Future Sox will be joining us in about about a half hour. That's why we're starting late. He's over in Central Time, and we're gonna be talking. We were talking so much about the White Sox last week. It just got me thinking. Might as well bring on a White Sox prospect guy. And who knows the team inside and out. And is also not afraid to say some things about the ownership. So we'll get to that. First things first, there's the world baseball. I mean, well, tonight, the big news, obviously, Jackson Job is going to pretty much miss a good majority of the season. And there's some news about Dylan Dingler as well. So we'll get to that. The Tigers losing tonight. They just lost about what, 20 minutes ago or so. Lost 10 to 1 to Philly. One run on five hits. One run on five hits. That's it. And lots of home runs for Philly. Yep. They got four home runs and a grand slam given up by Garrett Hill. Garrett Hill was going to be my good tonight (laughs) (laughs) because his first inning was great and his his spring had been great. And then his second inning was a disaster. So, yeah. A good lesson for me. Yeah. There's (laughs) that, that was one of those things too where I was looking at the rest. Because the game was on twelve seventy, and or eight, it was on the AM feed, so there was no TV feed, which I was kind of surprised actually, because Philly seems to always show the TV side of things. But nevertheless, Tigers fall, and they get a couple of scoreless innings actually, and that was what I wanted to mention too, because two guys were fighting for a bullpen spot, Trey Wingeater and Chase Shrev, both had good outings. Wingeater had an inning and struck out two. Grab one hit, one run, or excuse me, one inning, one hit, a strikeout. And Chase Fry, who's been pitching better as of late, also just had a walk, a strikeout, and a, just allowing one hit. But the offense-wise was just, I mean, Nick Maton had two of the five hits. That was it. It was just, it was just the rest was just hit by Badu. And I think it, Donnie, Donnie Sands also got in the action too, but it was just, Bad offensive yeah. output this evening. Only four hard hit balls. That is to say, balls hit harder than 95 miles per hour, which is generally what you want to do. So, I mean, they were facing Zach Wheeler, which doesn't help, but the, yeah. both, you know, yeah. a bunch of no name Phillies relievers kind of shut them down too. So, not great, but spring training can't win them all. Yeah, exactly. And it's again, the, the stats don't matter to a certain extent. Stats do not matter, but there's always that kind of how it depends on how you want to fit your narrative with that. But so, one thing that so last night, the the World Baseball Classic, the Dominican Republic was kind of expected to go far in this tournament, and they didn't. They Puerto Rico came out pretty quickly early on in the game, and they beat the Dominican Republic to advance past second round. And in the celebration, Edwin Diaz tore his right patellar tendon while celebrating, and it's. I mean, this is a guy who just signed a five-year, $102 million deal in the offseason. But the, I mean, you saw him getting put on a wheelchair. So there's going to be a couple options for the Mets. But everyone, there was a weirdly weird reaction on social media about that they should get rid of the baseball, World Baseball Classic, considering that spring training injuries happen often. (laughs) But I think it's always, I feel like it's kind of maybe a New York state of mind kind of thing. I don't know. But I think the World Baseball Classic to some of these countries means a lot. You can hear it in the crowd. You can hear all this, but just I don't know you guys. I don't know if you guys have experienced on Twitter today with any different. But 
the injuries happen all the time. This was a freak thing, but are, are you going to sit there and get mad about the World Baseball Classic? You know, Gavin Lux blew his ACL out the other day and meaningless game as well. Are you just going to get rid of all spring training games then? I mean, people get hurt crossing the street. It's silly. Yeah, but Kyle Funkhauser famously got hurt stumbling on the sidewalk in, in Toledo. Yeah, I mean, this was the, the Edwin Diaz takes were my bad today because, yeah, it was just so over the top. Yeah. And and you had a couple really loud, like, national people that were kind of leading it. But like to your point, Raj, like, yes, these games, first of all, you just have to erase the narrative that these games don't mean anything. They don't mean anything to you as a Mets fan, maybe. But these are hugely important to, you know, Puerto Rican people. Yeah. People and Venezuelan people. And you could tell by the attendance and by the, by the players. If the players didn't care, they wouldn't go. But it obviously means a lot to them. And, and so, you know, I, 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 I get that we'll probably see some pushback from teams in the future where they just don't want to, you know, risk it. But to you's point, like, all right, well, what games do matter? The spring training doesn't matter. The regular season doesn't matter. Why don't you just, we'll, we'll just pick eight teams and have a tournament every year, and that'll be it. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it's these games matter to people. And, you know, it reminded me of what's his name? The dude, Ken Morrow. Do you, do you guys know who Ken Morrow is? Hockey player? Yeah, hockey player. Yeah. From, from Davidson slash Flint. Was team on USA, the, 1980. Was on the Team USA, 1980, Miracle on Ice team. Won four Stanley Cups with the, the juggernaut Islanders teams of the early 80s. So people always ask him, like, hey, what matters more to you? And he can't ever give anybody a, an answer because they both mean that much to him. And it's like, I'm sure Edwin Diaz would love to win a World Series, but I bet closing that game to get Puerto Rico over Dominican Republic and move on was is probably one of the highlights of his career so far. Kenny so, Morrow. One of the best beards in sports history with no helmet. So you really saw the whole beard. Very impressive. But yeah, I mean, these games obviously mean something to these players. And so to to dismiss it as as meaningless is is just kind of that sort of, I don't know, ethnocentrism or whatever. Like just worried about my team and, and not realizing that other people have concerns about their team too. And national concerns. The other thing too is in terms of Edwin Diaz specifically and the Mets, I mean... The twenty million he makes per year is a rounding error for for Steve Cohen. Okay, he misses twenty million like you or I, you know, you know, miss the six bucks for a latte. I mean, big deal. I mean, they they lost a guy. It's a shame. They could have lost him in an, any number of ways. They're gonna have to go get a closer. Well, guess what? He's shown he's probably gonna go invest in a closer if they need one. I don't think they're gonna be left hurting. They're not gonna go into October a closer short if Steve Cohen has anything to say about it. Yeah, they, yeah. they've got some good prospects to trade. They still have David Robertson, I think, who's got plenty of yeah. experience closing. So, yeah, but to your point, the money doesn't matter at all. They have insurance. They'll get the money back or whatever. It's, it's more about losing, you know, the best reliever in baseball. But, you know, like you said, that could have happened in the first game of the season. Could have happened next week in spring training. I mean, obviously, it looks it looks worse when it's a celebration. It makes you know, it, it brings to mind one of the I don't remember which Gramatica brother it was, the the kicker. I don't know if it was Martin or oh, Phil, but the, I think it was I, was, I think it was Martin who, who you know celebrating a field goal and blew out his knee, or or Kendrys Morales was was a really bad one. Yeah. You remember that? Grand oh, yeah, he took the home plate, right? Walk off Grand Slam in May. And, you know, they're celebrating, broke his leg slash ankle, missed the, all of that year and all of the next year. It just uh, freak things happen. But, you know, got to get angry about something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's it. 
Yeah, go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to ask, do you guys think this drastically changes your predictions in the NL East? Do you think – were you looking at the Mets as the favorite and now are you kind of looking at them? Because arguably he's the best closer in baseball. That that should be a pretty significant loss for them. Well, not even doing a, like a deep dive on a shallow – like just on even – I didn't have the Mets winning the division. I didn't. I thought the Braves would probably come back and win a division – it, the, the I think the NL East is gonna be a little tighter than that. Even but Philly too looked really good too. Philly had a really good offseason as well. It wasn't. I mean, I know the Mets spent a lot of money, but I just think that they would get off to a good start. But I don't know without doing a deeper dive like I have. Like I've been so focused on the Tigers recently, that I haven't had a chance to really get into our other divisions. But on the surface, yeah, it does hurt them. But who knows? They could make a trade tomorrow and, and address it. They could get Michael Fulmer from the Cubs. They could do a number of things. But excuse me, they the Mets. I think, I think the Mets will be okay. I think they will. If you downgrade from the best closer in baseball to a league average closer in baseball, how many wins are we talking over the course of a year? Three, yeah. two, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, they can go trade for David Bednar. Yeah, It'd be just fine. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, there's already going to be there's already some fan base that's going to say, "Hey, trade for our, you know, guy we don't like or whatever." There's going to be that already, and it's again, it, there's national pride. It, even like what and Ray mentioned this in the chat that Diaz got to play with his brother for the first time. That means something to some people, and so it's it's sure. just you tell me when you go see a game in Japan, like, especially the crowd. I love the crowds during the WBC. That is my favorite part because what? I'm go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, oh, I was going to say something. I just, I think sometimes, I don't know, where do we get this unwritten rule that we have to be polite? Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, I think that sometimes, like, you go to another country and you see how a soccer matches and how loud they get, how passionate they get, and there's chants, there's horns and all this stuff. Baseball is so weird in a sense that here, it's almost like it's, too quiet sometimes and yeah they do get cheery during certain moments maybe it's just tigers games because no one goes to the games but <laughs> i mean not to be a dick about it but it's I, I don't see the same kind of energy at all i don't see the same kind of energy at, at, at games here a friend of mine lived in korea for a while and he went to kbo games and he said the atmosphere was so electric just for a mundane tuesday night game Everybody's doing the chants. Every player's got his own little song. All the fans know the words to the song. <laughs> and, you know, they're hitting their – they're shaking their rattles and everything else. And he said it's just – it's almost sensory overload. You're a little bit exhausted when you're done, you know. When's the last time we felt exhausted after a Tiger game? <laughs> no, I mean, it's – it's you get that in America for – very special like event games or playoff games. I remember I went to game four of the 2012 ALCS when the, the Tigers finished their sweep of the Yankees. And that was electric from start to finish. It was an sure. awesome atmosphere. But also last year, Raj took me to one of the games where Miggy was trying to break, you know, get, get his 3,000th hit. And yeah, I mean, you could just, that was just an outstanding, a packed house. Everybody hanging on every pitch to Miggy. Like everybody was just buzzing. You, you could feel it. And yeah, it's kind of remarkable to see that for every game in these tournaments for, for these other teams. It's, it's, I'm jealous because I think that would be a, a, a pretty awesome experience to feel that every time you go to a game, although it might be too much after a while. You're like, oh, geez, settle down, guys. I got to get some nachos. 
<laughs> yeah. Do, do you think it's just because it's it's so like it's only a couple games, like a handful of games a year? That's probably why. Like just because it's not every day, like like Major League Baseball. Uh, again, over in in Asia, those games are they they play you know four games a week, and they have that energy. I just think it's ingrained in their culture. You know, it's what they've always done. Where in the United States, at a ball game, it's like you're sitting in church. It's the way it's always been done. Yeah, it's more like more like I think football games here, where we're everybody just super pumped up the entire time, except you know, unless there's a blowout. But you know, I mean, that's it's, the, the overriding point is is that people care about these games. They're fun to watch. They're it's there's so many cool stories that come out of these. We could I don't know if you, we planned on talking about the kid the tiger signed. Yes. But what an awesome story. Yeah. Uh, and even but, if that's the end of it for that kid. What like you know you go out and pitch the inning of your life against uh, multiple pitchers or players who might go to the Hall of Fame, <laughs> and, and you, you go and strike them out, and then you get signed to a deal immediately after. That's like that's like a Disney movie, right? Yeah, yeah. It's something you don't see. Yeah, it's something you don't see at, very often. And the fact that he went out there, and so I'm trying to pull up the guy, the, the gentleman's name, because I'm I totally at a loss. It's like Duke A. Haber or Herbert. I don't know how it's yeah, called, I'm, but it's... I'm just calling him Duke. The Duke. No, just calling him the Duke. He's the Duke. Duke Herbert. Yeah. I was going to call him Herbert. Herbert? No, the Duke sounds much cooler. No. So, so he has more, the, it's got some more authority to it. The, the Duke. No, he went out there and he struck out yeah, three of the best batters in the world. I know it was the ninth inning, but he was 21 and, and he's 21 years old. And I end up watching an interview with him in Spanish and he was saying he had, he likes to attack the zone and shows no fear. It was a little more than just your typical Duque Hebert. Hebert. Duque Hebert. Yeah. I don't know I got Hebert from, maybe because I was thinking of Roy. Never mind. Anyway. Bobby Hebert. Bobby Hebert, the former <laughs> Michigan Panthers quarterback. Yeah. So other B- WBC news a little bit before we get to a couple of things. The J- J- Japan beats Italy and they advance. And like I mentioned earlier, Dominican Republic losing Mexico and Puerto Rico tomorrow night, or excuse me, on Friday night, if you're listening, in the quarterfinals. And on Saturday, Venezuela against the United States at 7. And if it wasn't for Mike Trout, I think the U.S. would have been out of this tournament. And they proved that yesterday because he drove in all the runs. (laughs) Yeah, I I think there was a way for them to still get in, even if they lost by one run. But, yeah, that was not – yeah, that was a tight game against Colombia. You don't expect – Columbia to put up that much of a fight, but that's one of the things we learned from this tournament is, is these teams, it's not, you know, quite like anybody can win any game like the NCAA tournament or whatever, but it's, it's getting closer now. You see Great Britain put up a fight and you see Colombia put up a fight. I mean, basically everybody but China had a, a couple decent games that China, yeah. yeah, they're but, relatively new to it. Yeah. But, and I think cool. Cuba fought their way back and made the tournament, right? Made the, yeah. Yeah. They were down. Yeah, that was, a, that was a really good game. Two games or first? They thought they lost the first, I think it was the first two games. And then, they had a hell of a game against Australia. It was the second time they played Australia in, I think it was in the second round like this. And it was a really, that was a nail biter. And the bullpen once again held it together for Cuba's been getting some really good pitching. So that's been helping yeah. them out. And so they advance. They will play the winner of the, I think the, I try to remember how the draw works without researching it, but they will be playing on Sunday. So, but the, no. And so getting back into, in terms of what's going on around the league and around base the Tigers. So the big news of the day is one that there's some fans out there who are actually rather 
doing the I told you so dance, which I think is again ridiculous. But Jackson Job will be missing three to six months with a with a back injury. This is back and it's not good. It was and then on the same token, Dylan Dingler, also in the injury update today, came up. He's gonna have surgery on his right knee. I think it's a torn a meniscectomy or whatever he had basically they they clear up an already torn meniscus i don't know if they cut the whole thing out or just cut out the torn part but yeah but that's that's a relatively minor knee procedure fortunately yeah although if you're a catcher i don't really want to hear anything about your knee but yeah it's it's not as unfortunate as the job news yeah and and sean and sean makes a good point i like the way sean said it. it's not i told you so it's a history told you so yes you're absolutely right and from what we know, and we were we were talking about this today in our one of our chats, it was essentially they agreed with the they agreed to the deal with Meyer beforehand, but they were but number one on their board was Meyer or excuse me Joe, but they, they agreed to the deal with Joe because they didn't think Meyer would be there. Yeah, is that correct, Chris? That's what I mean. That's the story that's been going going around that, that they you know. Honored yes. their deal yeah. with Job. I that know, was that was even out there on draft night. Yeah, I recall. Yeah, I think that the Fangraphs guys were reporting that back then. But I mean, the, the, the strange thing about that, and there's there's some some bit of that that's admirable. But you know, from from talking in the minor league side, you know, talking to these players about their draft experience, they they get promised things by teams like every round. Like yeah, if you're if you're there next round, we'll take you. And then the next pick goes around, and they go, "Hey, eh, sorry." Like, and I understand you don't want to burn bridges, and maybe it's different when it's like a top five pick. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe that that you just go, "Well, he's our favorite player," but uh, no, nope. <laughs> we'll take this guy instead. I think they still really like Job a lot. I I I bet you it was more like one A and one B to them. And uh, yeah, I mean, everybody said at the beginning, like this is this is. It's well known within the industry that that high school pitching is very risky because. You know, there are only so many bullets in every arm, and you have a long development path to get to the big leagues. Even, you know, Andrew Painter murdered their minor leagues last year. Just just crushed his way all the way up to double A, looked like he was going to be a stud, hurt his elbow. It just it happens to, to just about every pitching prospect. So that's why you don't do it, but they did. They bucked the trend back then. They thought maybe they could get a front-of-the-rotation starter, and, and now, I mean, the real question is, is will Job even pitch this year? I mean, three months would put him back in July or so, I think. Yep. But if it's on the, the, the back end of that timetable, he's not going to pitch this season. And and that's the worst possible outcome for him because he's a guy who needs as many innings as possible. Yeah. And for the fans that are, like, upset about it, like, even if you didn't want to draft Joe, but at the end of the day, the administration that drafted him isn't here anymore. So yep. what's what's the point in really complaining about it? He's on our team. We have to make what's best for him. He still has incredible upside as a pitcher. And I, I don't understand, like, we're acting like like he, his career's over. Like, it, people are making it sound that way. Like, he, he might be back by the end of the season. What is he, 21 years old at this point? He'll be turning 21. I think he turns 21 this year. I yeah. Think yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. Sure, I, you could be upset not drafting Meyer, but at the end of the day, that was a different GM, and there's not much we can do about it anymore. But I, you know what? I will say this. I, I will say I understand why the fans were frustrated because it just seemed like a bumbling thing that happened. The whole entire thing just seemed like it was a fumble, and that's where I think fans should be mad. Now, it, the for everybody that said they knew they were going to draft Meyer, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't recall so many draft experts among Tigers Twitter or Facebook. But that's that's where it, that's where part of the cracks me up because 
all you had to do was go, well, look, look where he is. Look where he is on a prospect list. That's why he's better. Well, that's fine. And it look, I'm not gonna lie. We all, I we were just I was showing Chris the footage from the draft night show, where we were going, what just happened? And I was swearing in Spanish. You know I mean, it, 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 there's a part where I'm just like swearing, and, and Chris goes, oh well, Rogers got to go in the pool now. Yeah, I mean, we we had been told that they were gonna go with Meyer, and then suddenly it was like, oh wait, no, they're going with Job. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's. We've seen this before in Detroit sports. There was the Darko pick instead of Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and whomever else. At the time, you know, people understood it like, oh, look at the upside of this guy. And But in retrospect, maybe not, you know, taking the foreign guy who only played against the chair. But then, you know, it's like, you know, the Lions, the Lions took Terry Fair ahead of Randy Moss because of, you know, they couldn't have a, a bad personality on the team. And it's like, you know, well, that didn't work out well. But time, we're we're still, it's still way too early for any of that, right? Like. Marcelo Meyer hasn't done anything in the big leagues yet. Jackson Job was going to spend all year in the minors anyway. So the worst case scenario, I guess the worst case scenario is this is a horrible injury and he never comes back. But we'll treat this like a normal scenario where he rehabs and comes back from the injury. And maybe he misses a year. He's still in the big leagues by the time he's like 23, 24. Do we take heart that it's his back and not a shoulder or something? I, I, I'm glad it's not a shoulder. But in the hierarchy of injuries, I, I would prefer probably an elbow before a yeah. back. And we talk about this all the time. And maybe it's different with a low back injury. But back trouble just doesn't ever seem to go away. It, you can manage it, and then it'll pop up. And you're missing, you know, 10 games here, 10 games there. Hopefully it's not an issue like that. But, yeah, it always kind of bumps me out. Such a young guy for back problems. You know, I, I mean – this is one thing I was going over earlier today is like, I don't ever remember hearing anything about lumbar spine injuries. I, I think they used to just call them low back injuries or back injuries, but the tigers in the past year have had these from Kerry Carpenter, Joe Jimenez, Jackson, Job. I think maybe even Casey Mize, you know, we Casey Mize had the back surgery too. So yeah, I don't Winsel, know. They, Winsel Perez. Winsel Perez. I don't know if they've got guys like carrying pianos around <laughs> or, or what's going on, but yeah, something, something needs to change there. It, it's a, a, strange epidemic of, of a certain type of injury yeah and i don't i like this is not like saying that job is going to be bad or anything but i just think when you have a top pick like that as valuable as those top picks are i think you just prefer to to spend it on a guy that's going to be in your lineup every day and that's where i i can understand why people were upset with that because at the end of the day you know marcel meyer he's going to be in the red sox lineup every single day and job is going to be pitching once every fifth day. I think Job still, I think, could be a really good pitcher, but I think it's just more valuable to have a guy playing every single day. Yeah, and there, there are teams who certainly agree with that, right? I mean, this this year's draft will be kind of an interesting scenario too. They've got two two really good hitters and two very interesting pitchers. Yeah, and that and that draft that Job was in, it terms of shortstops or infield talent seems to be perking up pretty nicely. So that's that's where I think another reason why fans are frustrated. You know, I always say take the best available player, right? And can you make a definite case that Jackson Job was better than any of those other guys? I just don't think that case was truly there to be made. Maybe they were, you know, as you, as Chris said, 1A, 1B, and they're very, very close. But then if they're that close, then I would obviously lean toward the hitter. We all, I think we all wanted Meyer that day. I know I did in the weeks leading up to that draft. I was, it was a huge disappointment. But, you know, when Johnny there says that everybody's gone, well, one person's not gone. Chris Illich isn't gone, you know, and that's his organization. And I'm not saying he's hand, you know, day-to-day in the draft 
prep. Okay. <laughs> no one is saying that, but it just shows, you know, he kept that organ that, that regime in place so long. It's not even last year. It's amazing to me that Alavila had any possible hand in that draft. And he was going to get fired a month later. It's mind bending. Yeah. I remember here listening to you know, Cody David Haggett's podcast where they basically suggested that most of the draft team wanted to take Zach Nito. And but Alavila David Chad overruled him and took Chase Young. So it's like, Oof. and then they're gone. Yeah, it's 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 tough. But that's yeah, I mean, a Chris thing. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you know, general managers get the smartest guy in the room syndrome, right? Where they they're like, you know, we we see something in this guy, he, we think he's the exception. And yeah, but to John's point, like as much as we want to complain about, it, those guys are gone. They're gone for a yeah. reason. Maybe this is part of the reason. So you just hope hope for the best for Jackson Job. Like that's that's the one thing is you you hear all these people complaining and it basically it's like you know <laughs> poor Jackson Job is like hey guys I, I, I exist I'm not I yeah, I'm a human being a couple times yeah but uh, yeah we'll see we'll see what happens where you know not the I, end I, of would, I would I would I would I do agree with Jed you want something impactful there and I can't dispute that but it worked but then again as I said I've always been curious if. There was somebody was talking about this in chat today. That would the Tigers sign a pitcher in Flores? Of course they would have. But it, it, and the Zach Nino thing does bother me because I, he had a really good Cape Cod league. His wooden bat numbers were really good, and he wasn't. I mean, he played. And I think that the the knock up against him was is that oh, he played in some no name school. Who cares? Oh. Yeah, Campbell. I mean, I can understand if it's like an elevation issue, like Nick Gonzalez at New Mexico State. Okay, you can say the elevation has a has a factor in it. Of course it does, but I I just think that the one of the things that really struck out to me about Nito is as soon as he got, I mean, as soon as he got to the Angels, I mean, he wrecked shop. And and, and look, I understand the Angels system is not that deep. They, this is the same team that did all pitchers what two years ago. Yeah, yeah. So again, it, but at the same time, it is kind of frustrating when you know full well that. There's some of the decision making, especially when you start picking up. Like, there's, I mean, there's a big division among between the old school and the new school. And I, like I said, talking to some people last year, it was just like, hey, we have to present this, and they basically like, yeah, whatever, we don't care. What do you yeah. know? You're not, you're not a scout. You're in the analytics department, and that's that's how it was kind of, at least in my opinion, that's what I got the impression of. Did you even play the game? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We see we see over and over and over and over again. Like you know, these scouts work hard. They do their best, but nobody knows for sure, right? Like the 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 best player from the 2020 draft right now. The Tigers had the top overall pick, Spencer Torkelson. Best player from that draft, fourth round pitcher Spencer Strider, who a lot of people thought was a reliever. Yeah. And gets into pro ball and completely changes his pitch mix and the pitch mix and, and suddenly yeah he looks like a potential ace. It's like yeah, you never know. You have no idea. You can yeah, that, do your best to prepare, but it's, it's it's you know nobody can see the future. Well, that's usually how it goes with pitching. Like I said, like Degrom was a ninth round pick, Shane Bieber was a fourth round pick. It's more about how you develop these guys in terms of you know some pitchers like Justin Verlander. You know wherever he was drafted, he was probably going to turn out as good as he was. But for a lot of these pitchers, it really just comes to how they're developed. You remember Garrett Cole in Pittsburgh really couldn't reach his ceiling was traded to Houston and became one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think it's more about the development of these pitchers as opposed to where they're drafted. 
Well, if you a little bit of spider tech, I was gonna say if you're if if you're drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates and you're good, you'll probably go. You'll be better elsewhere. That's just that's the Pirates' motto. It really is. <laughs> Pirates pitching. We'll you're not gonna be here very long. Enjoy it. So that's that's the way I look at it as far as the Pittsburgh goes. So as as we wait for hopefully Jeff did not forget that he was on this evening. Let's start with what's up. Well, we did, you know, we talked a lot about Job. We did touch on Dingler, which is a bummer. But, like, I think they said four weeks for that, so he'll probably be back in May. I was kind of curious why we hadn't been seeing him in spring much. You know, we've seen Josh Crouch a couple times lately. but And then there was Quincy Naporti, who, who might not mean much to Tigers fans, but he was the MVP of the Eastern League last year. He was a huge part of Erie's team. And he's not a big league prospect. I mean... You never know with guys like that, like the Frank Schwindels of the world. He might pop up one day and, and you know hit 15 home runs in the bigs or something. But but he was going to probably be Toledo's starting first baseman this year. And, and he had Tommy John surgery, which is not a big deal for position players. But you're still out six months at least. And, and he just had it, so he's probably out for the year, which is obviously a bummer for him. He's, he's a guy who was yeah. signed out of indie ball and was it was a good story. Yeah. And, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with his future. And then the other... I don't know. You know, what struck me is like, it seems like at this time of year, it's usually a rash of injuries in the big league club. Like, ah, oh, it's really bad news. And then today it was just like, here's a bunch of awful minor league news. Like, oh, man. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's just like, it's a bunch of like just nagging injuries. And I feel sorry for like when we talked to Winsel Perez, like he's been they're literally on, on them, working on him all the time. And so it's just, yeah. It, it... <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Ray with the comment of the night in you or YouTube chat. Maybe that's why MLB is trying to create a Tigers Pirates rivalry. Two of the month, two of the worst franchises at player development. Well said, Ray. Yeah. Are there, are, are there any teams worse than that? Like I'm trying to think who Yeah, I mean it, it depends on how you yeah. define like oh. what, what era. Like up until recently, the Phillies had a Really awful track record for about 15 years of developing anybody, and they, mm-hmm. they t- their first round picks were brutal. There was boy, what was that? There was Mickey third baseman Moniak. Yeah. Moniak was like the fourth of a, a terrible stretch of, of first round picks. So they were bad. The White Sox have been pretty bad. They, they have this tendency to get one like the like one random guy and push him really quickly, and he ends up okay. But beyond that, they hadn't done very much of anything. Yeah, I mean some some of the like. The Yankees weren't even all that great, but they've they've hit on like you know Aaron Judge, which kind of makes up for everything. So there are some organizations that, that have stretches where they're not very good for a long time. But then there's other teams like the, the seemingly the Rays and the Cardinals and the Dodgers who who never go long without having a really nice draft haul. And speaking of the Cardinals, one of the things that I found amazingly fascinating was the fact that they let this guy go here, Freddie Pacheco, who had some pretty good numbers. There was a lot, I was looking through the log. And looking at some of his some of his outings where he does he does seem to go a little longer, but he he's got some good stuff. He's got electric stuff. Got a really good slider, a good fastball. And at one point, he was among the top ten Cardinal prospects. And they let him go. And I I'm, I'm just a little admit, I, I was wondering like did he did he did he did he do something in the clubhouse? Did he assault somebody? That am I missing something? And it's just because. But then. As Chris, I think you reminded us the Cardinals do this all the time. The Cardinals let go of players and have no rhyme or reason why. There's just there's no there's just say, well, you know, we we're the Cardinal way, and this is how it's going to be. And 
doopity dooper do. I don't I don't know. It's it just seems it just seemed really strange to me that they did that. And I'm trying to find I'm a, I, I put it I put together a start, excuse me, a clip of all his like some of his relief appearances. I cannot talk this evening. And I wanted to show everybody who hasn't watched me yet. I don't want to get too far off track from our segments because it is getting a little late. But yeah, this is him against Gwinnett, ironically enough, against Justin Henry Malloy. And you can tell in terms of his stuff, like here's where that's yeah, right there's fastball. But he tends to open up a little bit sometimes after a while. But I don't know. I, I like this arm a lot. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, it's a very good arm. It's you know, it's a relief arm. So there's there's some wildness, there's some inconsistency with the delivery or whatever. But that's a you take a bet on the arm, the guy with with you know two plus pitches or plus plus pitches, and and see if you can straighten out the mechanics a little bit because you know that if you do, you got yourself like a setup man or a closer. So I thought it was a really nice ad. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw in the, a free press article, it said that he had a, a right elbow injury. Did you guys? Ever see that? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. If... And, and I saw Eddie Bajek posted something on Twitter about he thinks that's why the Cardinals let him go because there's a there's like a small window to to release guys or do something with guys before like you have to put them on the injured list. There's some like kind of obscure rule that uh, the Tigers took advantage of there. I don't know exactly. You know, I didn't didn't really follow it too closely, but. Yeah, I mean, I it, it could very well be that those don't like what they see there and and don't you know are worried about something down the line. But yeah, like to Roger's point, like they're not afraid to cut loose talent if they don't fit their their culture there. And I that's just speculation here. But like you know, you look at Adolis Garcia, who's got you know sixty home runs and forty steals over the last two seasons, and they just let him go. He's just like a six war player over the last two years. So not saying that that Freddie Pacheco is going to be the next. You know, closer for the Tigers, but it's worth a shot, right? The Cardinals are, tend to have a lot of talent. Those are the kind of moves you you just have to make. That has to become a routine, you know. And I go back; I keep saying the same thing. But if he's even one percent better, two percent better than your fortieth guy, mm-hmm. you know, that's how you build the bottom half of the roster and get incrementally better. So, and and maybe you hit big on one of those guys. So. He throws hard enough. At, I mean, good things could happen. Yeah, I do like the comment that they had to leave room for Drew Verhagen. Yeah. And, yeah, effect, effectively wild would be a good way to put it. And this is an, this is an example here in, in AA against the – one of the by the way, the one of the worst team-named jerseys out there, the Wichita Falls Surge. I'm sorry. That's such a, it's such a dumb setup. Anyway, so this – he looks a lot sharper here. This is, I think – I think I recorded this is for June or July. I can't remember exactly, but I thought he looked a lot more consistent. Wasn't too wild. Was able to set up his fastball better. But anyway, I like this move a lot for the Tigers, and it just shows that they're not every any stone's gonna be unturned, and they're not and, and to up to figure out a rule like that. I mean, would you really think that the old regime would be able to figure that out? I'm not gonna we're not gonna do this every time, but just no. you know, that was well, news to me. I didn't know that. You know, I put out a tweet the other day. This is similar to signing the kid from Columbia, Duke Hebert there. They were very, I give Scott Harris, they were very nimble to make that move on the spot and beat other teams to him. Now, maybe they were just lucky and had a scout there who could do it. But that's to their credit. They had a guy there 
and they made a quick decision and they got him signed. Now, does he ever do anything? Who the hell knows? But I'd rather see them be aggressive and be Johnny on the spot than be, you know, two steps behind. Yeah, that's really as simple as that. I don't think there's too much for the Tigers just to be aggressive and try things. Just try to things and then to see what happens from there. So that's assuming that James is not going to be here because I'm not, yeah, which I'm not just, whatever. We could still talk about the White Sox. Yeah, we'll talk about the White Sox another day, but I'm not going okay. to. The Tigers have made a lot. There's a lot of actually good MLB talk this evening. So I just, yeah. But now it is time because we have running a little late, but we're going to run. Now it's time for our inside the numbers. And Stan is wondering when the Tiger focus of the 10 podcast will be. I think we've got the Tigers pretty well covered this evening, but so, but that would probably be our inside number segment. And John, I'll let you kick it off tonight. What is your inside the number? So my inside the number was eight thirty five. That's the Tigers OPS this spring. I, obviously they've had a pretty good spring offensively. And then I kind of, put two into one here but 71 that is the number of walks they've drawn this spring which is 14th in baseball i know that was definitely a point of improvement they were looking to make this 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 year and second in home runs with 33 so just kind of some numbers on the tigers offense and how they fare i think the walk one is the most interesting because i think that's going to be a, a big talking point for improvement this year and right now 14th in baseball with 71 walks like that number all right Chris, what is your inside number? Uh, so mine, mine are nine and seven point four. And we've kind of gone over this before, but the nine is how many balls Spencer Torkelson has hit at least one hundred five miles per hour this spring, including the one hundred nine point nine today. And the seven point four is the percentage of pitches he's seen that he has hit at one hundred five or more. Last year, Torque hit thirty one balls total in the regular season that hard for a percentage of one point nine. And the highest rate of, of balls hit that hard last year was Vlad Guerrero at five point three percent. So. So Torque is 2% higher than that so far this spring. And it's just spring, and we, we learned our lesson last week about Brad Comment, you know, you, you don't put too much into spring's training stats. But so far, Torque is doing about 95% of what we want him to do, right? He's, he's doing about all he can. The ball isn't landing, and it's not going over the fence, and we, we still want to see that. But, boy, he's hitting the tar out of the ball, and that's a lot better than, than missing those fastballs that he was missing last year. And, and our buddy Brandon Day wrote a really great article over at Shoe Boys about that. And, yeah, so it's encouraging. I know people get kind of tired of hearing this, you know, exit velocity when there's not home runs on the board. But, you know, you just nobody's ever hit the ball that hard, that consistently, and not eventually done well, at least with, you know, a, a reasonable launch angle. And you know, Torque isn't some guy hitting ground balls all the time. So you just hope that they're going over the fence, and you hope that he can adjust once the big league pitchers adjust to him. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's getting there. Like I, I wrote him off a little early, and not wrote him off immediately. I just thought that early on, he just didn't. He was still missing a lot, so it's good to see him catch up. How much easier do you think he's breathing right now? Just a little, right? A hell of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he went fishing yesterday. He went fishing with the Metal Brothers. And Riley Green, I think they, they invited – I forgot the, there was a reliever that went there, too. Matt oh, on the ocean? Yeah, they went fishing yesterday on their day off because the Tigers oh. were off yesterday. Was it on the ocean? 
there was a they're surrounded, surrounded by a body of water yeah. anywhere you go in Florida. So yeah. I'm not really sure. Maybe it was maybe it was a lake. Actually, now that I think about it, because there is several lakes in Lakeland that I've discovered are really nice. That's a again, Lakeland is a beautiful city. I really want to go back. But when I know we it's back, silly to think about, but I always think about those three guys who were the Indians who died in a boating rack in spring training. Yeah, Bobo. Are you talking about the uh, Bobo Heda? Yeah, Bobo Heda. Yeah. Brutal. Whistler. Thank you. Yes, Stan. It was a, it was a, the reliever that they signed from the Rays. So, Yuper, what is your inside number? My number is going back to the WBC. $64 million. That is the number of viewers for the Japan-Korea game. Wow. Okay? Much better than World Series numbers, for instance. It just shows you the fervor for baseball around the world, especially in countries where it's already part of the culture. More reason why the event makes sense to have. And sure, can they do things better? Would there be some other times of the year that might be better? Maybe. But right now, I think what they have going is pretty good. And I think it's getting a little bit stronger every time. And anytime you can put 64 million eyeballs on your sport, even if it's two non-American teams, that is good for baseball, and they're doing the right thing by having this. Yeah, it's like I said, even just like the Cuba and Australia game too. Both audience, it was a really good crowd for that too as well. It was and the Japanese rooted on Cuba and Australia that similarly, so it was pretty cool to see that they had some of the Japanese folks had like these yellow wigs with, and then the Nippon Dragons have several. So that was good to see that. So my inside number, looking at the total, just look at the levers in general. Last trade because our projections are very similar, but the I was looking at swing and strike stuff. So swing strike stuff, but string swinging strike stats, and I thought that just kind of take take a look at what we're dealing with here among attacking the zone and being aggressive. One man has been tackling his own pretty well. So when they classify swinging strike, the, the, the string, swinging strikes, they mean by foul tip, swing strike, or, or swing strike that's been blocked. And uh, among the leaders, number one is Chasen Shreve at 34.6%. Hmm. Slider is generating quite a bit of swings and misses. He's going to do well with the changeup. So of his 52 pitches thrown, and that, that's not including today, but still that's – that's a pretty high percentage, and right up there too. And sixty pitches is Alex Fajardo at twenty six point seven percent. That was another number stand up. But among starters, it's Matthew Boyd at nineteen point five percent. So, yeah, what's interesting about that is that those are those are the numbers on on the total number of pitches. Normally, when you, when you like anything over ten percent, there is good because when you when you see the whiff rates, those are just on swings. And so those are usually like you want something over thirty percent, but over ten percent on pitches is is pretty strong. So that's once you get over twenty, you're talking you're 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 cooking with gas, as they say, <laughs> possibly breaking balls too. Yeah, and you know what's funny, Chris? In just a short period of time, the gentleman you posted on my report, the the guy they sent from Florida, and Zabala. Yeah, Zabala. In twenty pitches, four of his pitches, he had a twenty percent strike rate. Or, I mean, yeah, that was that was a loud outing, you know. Yeah, the, the command was not there, but yeah, he he was sitting ninety eight to one hundred, and and yeah, that was pretty impressive. So that's another power arm there. That they, I don't know. It seems like they're just kind of trying to hide him. He hasn't pitched much in spring, but I, don't know, I mean, there's a, probably a reason Miami let him go. He probably doesn't throw any strikes, or at least consistently enough. But 
they seem to be really with Pacheco, with him, with some other guys, they're really beefing up the velocity at the back end of their bullpen, or at least the velocity potential. Yeah, Toledo's going to have a stock bullpen. I mean, between Toledo and Erie, it's going to be nice. And I will, by the way, real quick before we get into our good, the bad, the ugly this evening. Yes, Perry, I wish the was a pitch clock in the World Baseball Classic, and that's been actually. I think about it like when I'm so used to the pitch clock now between minors and then watching the games that some of these games have been taking forever. Like it's especially the amount of times between Australia and Cuba. Like, Stop it. Let's go. I want to go to work. Watch it early in the morning. Good Lord. Bad. But yeah, yeah I, I don't like and even the shift seeing the shift back there was a little weird too, with the seeing how they were aligning the shift. But I don't I don't I'm not gonna miss the shift. That's that's for sure. I think it's going to be better for baseball. All right. Now it is time for the good, the bad, the ugly. By the way, the inside the numbers segment is an original segment. Let's just say that. Uh, so, I, I mean, by the way, I before we get to this real quick, I want to give props to Mark Rush and Petzl. They have their own podcast over at the Freep. And when I saw they had an inside the numbers segment, I'm like, Mark, you've been on the show enough to know. <laughs> props to you. Props to you. So, want to give a shout out to those guys as a uh, podcast community in Detroit. I thoroughly enjoy. It. I like I said, I talk to Bentley every, Bentley every almost like once or twice a week about random well, baseball stuff. So it's pretty cool. It, why don't you you can sell them that name and we'll cut all those numbers online. <laughs> Jed, the Jed, by the way, says Great Britain and Canada took years off my life. So yeah, Perry. Usually we we. we well, no one's going to show at 9 o'clock. We're going to show at 9.30 and accommodate guests. The guests will be able to show up. Was that Chris? Broke up there. Yeah, the music is incredibly loud to me. Like, I couldn't hear yeah. anybody talk. Yeah. All right. That's weird. I'll, I'm, all right. No. All right. Then I'll just turn <laughs> off the music. So, yeah. No, it's okay. It's weird. It, dr- it drowned you out, though. It never... When John was talking at normal level, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know what's going on tonight. Yeah, there, it could just be for my headphones and my microphone or something. No, no, it, I think it, it got it, loud. There's been a lag, yeah. lag this evening. It's been yeah. There's been a broadband lag on my end. So, all like right. I was about to get shot by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'll start with you, Uper. What is your good, the bad, the ugly this week? My good, first good. I got a little two-parter here. My good, who is non-baseball. My daughter's taking this personality quiz, right? And I'm on the phone with her just now. She's in St. Louis. And one of the questions she asked me, and I'll ask the guy, I came up with this on the spot. And it says, what is your favorite shape? Okay. So I told her, Oda. Oda shape. Oh. Man, come on. That was good, man. She laughed for a long time, so I think I won with that one. But my real good tonight (laughs) is Shohei Otani. So fun yes. to watch. You know, I, we always right. say this. We, we talked about him a lot last year. But, you know, he's just someone, even in the World Baseball Classic, he's not playing for the USA. So what? He just draws you in and you want to watch. Even when he does, you know, if he grounds out, he does it with panache, right? Answer this question. At what point, or are we there? Is he in the discussion when you give his broad set of skills, pitching, base running, hitting, power, where is he all-time baseball player? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to, to think of a more talented baseball player in the history of the sport. I, I'm sure there have been some other people like that, but when you can hit 450-foot home runs, you're one of the fastest players in the league. You throw 102 miles an hour from the mound. Yeah, there, there, there are very few names in that conversation along with Otani. I agree. I think he, he's got to be top three, if not number one. I, I was going to say, I think out of all the years i watched baseball, I've never seen somebody who can do – who can pitch and hit with power. And I mean, he's doing both. And to me, he's one of the greatest players I've ever seen in my life. And in any sport, in any sport, I don't, I don't care what sport it is. It doesn't, this whole thing, well, football's all or football or hockey, whatever your loyalty, you're just going to say, well, they're more physical. Yeah, 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 I get it. But this guy's throwing a, he's coming at you with the ball that as soon as it leaves a hand, it's like a golf ball. You don't know where it's going. Cause it's going to come out there so fast. And then he can hit a 400 foot bomb. The next inning, that's impressive. I'm sorry, and to sit there and try to go well to do the comparisons from the past. I mean, if he played in the past, the, people th- well actually wouldn't be able to play in the past. So never mind. What am I talking about? Uh, it, the, never mind. Never mind. My point is, he is one of the best. He is the best player I've ever seen. Period. I, I don't. There's no. There's no comparison because it's just to be able to have that kind of war at a pitcher level and a hitter level is unheard of. Unheard of. And. and Try to tell me. Take the Pepsi challenge on that. Man, I think talent-wise, he's probably up there. But I think you have to take into account like his his body of work. He's only been in the league for a handful of years. I think when we look back at these players, we compare these numbers: how many home runs they've hit, how many strikeouts or innings pitched they have. I think. Do, <laughs> do you think he has to have those those big numbers? Well, I don't know who Mike just, always is. Just keep going. John, please. Sorry, I got distracted. But no, like, do you think he needs to have these like 500, 600 home runs, like all these all-time greats do for him to be there? Or, you know, do no. you think because he's probably not going to have as long as careers as guys like like Babe Ruth or A-Rod or, or guys like that who would put up some pretty big numbers? He, he, no, but here's the thing. Babe Ruth never did this body of work <laughs> in, my, in terms of like you can't, like, it, to me it's not, you can't compare the two. You can't. It's It's you can't compare the two eras at all. What Otani's doing is on a pitching level and a hitting level, like just elite stuff. It's no one's ever, no one's ever done this before. Nobody, yep. nobody. There's nobody. I, we've never seen anybody like this. I never seen Babe Ruth play, so I don't care. That's, I, excuse me, I, I don't care because it's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta be pierced about baseball. I love baseball enough to respect the past. I do respect the past, but if you're gonna look at just box scores, yes. Babe Ruth has the better numbers, but no, but he could never. Did he throw over 100 miles an hour? No. Did he? Could he hit? Yeah. So Babe Ruth could hit, but the comparison to Babe Ruth, I, I knock it off because it's they're two different types of players, anyways. Well, it's so hard. I mean, you know, there's the dead ball era. There's the integration. You know, I mean, yeah, so many factors to to compare back and forth. But just by dead talent, Otani's the guy. There's no question in my mind about it. And plus, we don't even get to see him play the field. You know, I mean, I think he's probably a pretty decent outfielder, and it would be really a blast to see him gun down some people from right field. But we don't get to see that, and that's okay. Yeah. But uh, I bet he could do it. To me, my bad. Go ahead. I was just sorry. Say, he's it's, he's basically like Bo Jackson's tools with more baseball skill, and also Jacob Degrom as a pitcher. 
like in <laughs> one player. It's it's an absurd package of skills. I, I don't I, I there's there's no we, we have to do these kind of comparisons to come up with something close. So yeah, it's it's remarkable. He's a very good yeah. good. Yeah, and if I I just want to add one more thing. If you say like baseball is not as physical as other sports, I would agree with you. But I also would say like look at all the pitchers that are getting Tommy John now. And think about the effect that that has on your body. That pitching motion, it's it's very strenuous on your arm. And I think, sure, it's not as physical, but I think there's a reason that we've seen so many kids nowadays and so many pitchers in the big leagues having to get that surgery because of the the toll it takes throwing the ball as many times as they do at, at the speed at which they do it. And he came back from a Tommy John surgery, didn't miss a beat, so he's superhuman that way too. <laughs> So uh, my bad, we can be real quick about it because Rod just mentioned a little while ago, no pitch clock in the WBC. So noticeable now that we're watching some minor league baseball and some spring training baseball with the pitch clock. Having the no pitch clock in the WBC is an issue to me. I hope that they will fix that next time around. I saw some stats that Otani was one of the worst perpetrators. He was doing about 43, 44 seconds per pitch consistently. So that's just, that ain't going to work. And I think we're... The more we see the pitch clock in the big leagues this year, the less we'll ever want to see non-pitch clock baseball. Ugly bullpen usage. You know, I, I, I said something about Mark DeRosa last week about being inexperienced and having never really managed anywhere. But I will say this. He is really being hamstrung. I didn't realize the extent to which how some of these bullpen arms can be used. I mean, teams are mandating that they can't pitch back-to-back days. They're mandating that they can't come back out for a second inning. They're mandating that they have to start a clean inning. He's juggling a lot of crap there, <laughs> okay? I'm sorry. I, You know, I, I understand it. And that goes back to the Diaz injury, I suppose. People are trying to not go there. But, man, if you're on the team, at some point you just got to pitch. You know, you're on the team for a reason. You're there to win, I would hope. And I don't know. I, I think that's, that's – something's got to be – fixed there because that's really going to hamstring a manager at some point in a bad way. All right, Chris, why don't you go next? All right. So I mentioned earlier that my good was going to be Garrett Hill because he's been throwing 97 mile an hour sinkers. And it's like, what is going on here? He looks like Michael Fulmer bullpen edition, but then he gave up that grand slam. So I switched it to Trey Wingenter. Wingenter. <laughs> Trey Wingenter. Trey, yeah, he's, you mentioned him earlier, Raj, but he's been really impressive this season. Like, we knew that, that you know, he had a good arm, but he hasn't really pitched in the big leagues in, what, three years? Yeah, three and years, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's always dangerous to take too much stock in, in a small sample size in spring, but, you know, today, 16 pitches, 10 strikes, 12 sliders, four fastballs. He got five swings and misses on 16 pitches, to your point, Raj. He's now, he's got five scoreless innings this spring, only two hits and one walk in, in seven strikeouts, fastballs sitting you know, 95, 97, and the slider has been a consistent swing and miss pitch for him. He's been about exactly what we could hope for so far. I, I think I might like to see him pitch a little bit more. Like, let's see him, and we may see that. We're two weeks away from the season, so I think we're going to start seeing some some relievers pitch back-to-back in the next week or so. And I'd like to see him continue because I think that, you know, he might not make the team, but he certainly made a, a, a case for himself. So far, so yeah, I've been impressed with him. He's been good. My bad, and we already discussed it. Was was all the Edward and Diaz discourse? It it just it was super annoying, and, and you could throw the Jackson Job discourse in there if you want to. It's just people want to be angry all the time. And my ugly, and I think we may have touched on this on Sunday, was at Langford, Wyatt Langford, 
of the Florida Gators, the outfielder, one of the top draft prospects. My preferred draft prospect, although it's hard to root against Dylan Cruz, who's hitting like 560 right now. But he's been off to an outstanding start, 16 games. He's got seven doubles, two triples, six home runs, 14 walks to eight strikeouts. He's also been hit by five pitches, and that's the key point there because that last one was a doozy. He got hit right in the – to his credit, to his credit, he stayed in the game, went out in the field, and then he, he left the game after before his next plate appearance. And sure enough, he had a ruptured testicle and had to get surgery. Yeah, there's not a whole lot more to say about that other than other than they say he's, he's, he's going to be out for a few weeks, maybe three, four weeks. He should make a full recovery. Well, let's all hope so. And also, I yes. guess, I, you know, I don't know. I have to assume he wasn't wearing a cup. I don't know how many baseball players are not wearing cups these days. What? You, the, you have to wear I don't. I think a lot of baseball players do not wear cups. I think it's basically just catchers. Uh, catchers. Yeah. I remember the dude that was Yordani Valdespin that Verlander hit right in the old meat puppet. <laughs> yep. Didn't he say he hit me in the dick? Yeah, I think that's what he said. Like that was that was like eight years ago. I, I don't think guys were. I, you know, I hated wearing a cup when I was in, in little league. No, yeah, I didn't wear a cup. Go ahead, Chris. No, I just yeah. If you're gonna lose lose one of the jewels, man, maybe just wear a cup. From the time. I so there was a day where I was supposed. To, this is in little league. I was supposed to. I was supposed. I had a day off from catching, and I ended up playing the outfield. Well, our shortstop got hurt in the middle of the game, so like, you're playing short. And I'm like, I've only played it like twice, but my coach was insistent that I would. He wanted me to play short, and it's a gravel field. Ball skips up. I'm not wearing a cup that day. I didn't think about it because I I always wore one as a catcher. I'm not, not going to ever mess with that. Got me right there. Hurt so bad. But as the guy saw me, the guy was running. This kind of a heavy set dude. He looks, he's like, and I'm like, I still got the guy a second, and I leaned over, I got the guy out, and we couldn't turn the double play, but I was all that, I sat out the rest of the game. That sucked so bad, and I never, (laughs) until the end of, until I stopped playing baseball, there was not a day I did not wear a cup. I played, when I played softball, over here, in the rec softball, I'll wear a cup. Yeah. I I caught one on a ground ball, like I was on second, run at the third and the, the ball took a bad bounce and I tried to jump over it, but it got me right in the, you know, right in the Johnson. It, but yeah, I, I, I was umpiring and a kid, a kid Jed, you're a maniac. One. You're a maniac, Jed. <laughs> you oh caught without God. a cup. What are you not? Well, you, you, well, you're British. So make that, you're English. So I, I don't understand what the English oh, is. Oh, no. I'm sorry. What were you saying? I'm sorry. No, I it's fine. I just going to say this. I was uh, umpiring and this kid caught one. And he was really down for the count. He was hurting in a big way. And I'll never forget. It was just the funniest thing. His mom comes to this, to the fence and she tells him, Jimmy, just rub it. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> and he's, he yells, he's, he's, he's screaming at her. Shut up, mom. Shut up. <laughs> it was the best. It was just the funniest moment ever. Oh, man. Like, All right. Be with somebody at the moment. All right, John, what's your good, the bad, the ugliest this week? So my my good was Spencer Torgerson, but we already kind of touched on him. He's been hitting the ball pretty hard. I think fans have kind of quieted down. You haven't really heard as much criticism as of late. I think people have been encouraged with what they've seen from him. So I was going to just go with Nick Matten, leading the Tigers in hits this spring, 10 hits. He's got three home runs. OPS is almost at 1,000. He's booked really, really solid this spring. So that would be my, my bad since we – 
aren't going to talk White Sox, I might as well crap on the White Sox a little bit. They have struggled a bit offensively. 16 home runs is 28th in baseball in spring training. They're 29th in runs, 28th in walks drawn as well. They have played the least amount of games at 16, but still they their offense hasn't been very inspiring this this spring training. Oh, okay. Sorry, you distracted me. Are we watching this? No, just keep going, John. Just keep going, man. Come on. Okay, okay. And then my ugly was the Miami Marlins, who their offense has just been dreadful this year. Their OPS as a team this spring is 615. The second worst is 661, which is the Pirates. So almost 50 points lower. They're averaging up three runs a game, eight home runs in 16 games, 228 batting average. And again, it's spring training, but I don't think a lot of people really have a lot of faith in, in the offense they have coming into this season. Yeah, the Marlins are going to, I know they're pitcher heavy, but I, I felt like they didn't do enough to address the hats in the offseason. And I know they're going kind of through a, a change of, between ownership and everything, but so Metal Bug suggested we look up Jose Canseco and Bat Boy, and I I feel bad oh. for this Bat Boy. If so, watching <laughs> I missed it. I was I didn't see yeah, it. Well, it was about the White Sox, but no, I think to your point, the White Sox were not much better on offense than the Tigers last year. Hmm. And yeah, I would be discouraged for sure if if you know spring training is spring training, but but what they've done so far, uh, yeah, would I wouldn't feel too good about it, but. If we're showing videos of old nutshots, what about the the first pitch that got the cameraman? That's one of my favorite videos ever. Which one's that one? Yeah, you have to look up first pitch cameraman. Maybe I'll look it up and I'll. I'll yeah, yeah, you, you oh, go ahead and do that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I know what time. It was a terrible first pitch and he got nailed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Metal Bug, thank you for that suggestion. <laughs> I was trying to hold it together there, but yeah, Chris, go ahead and look that up. But the. So, my good, there's two goods this week. And one is Zach Short. And the reason why I mentioned Zach Short, Zach Short is because he is walking a little more. He's batting 296. And he's been a lot of people written him off as well, they're just waiting for somebody and they're gonna they're gonna cut him anyways. And props to Zach Short. In addition to being the the team's best golfer, when I was down there, they had a golf outing and he smoked it was him and I think it was, it was Brendan Ryan, who was I think second or third. I was, I was kind of surprised. But I guess Ryan's a really good golfer, too. And, yeah, and Zach Schwartz is going out there doing his thing. He's showing a little bit of power. He, he's he got eight hits. He's, he's eight for 27 so far this spring. So props to him. And the other part, of good earlier, Palazzo, good friend of the show, Michael Dubier, was in here saying, you guys are up going against the March Madness. Hey, don't get me wrong. I have, a, I, like, some, over here on my screen, I have March Madness going on. I have basketball going. But, but the due to the fact that we can't show it because we'll get sued oblivion. I'm not posting it. But the upsets today, Princeton. If you had Arizona going far in your bracket, guess what? It's busted. Princeton beat Arizona in a Ivy League type-like score, too. That's the, that's the funny part. 59 and 55. That sounds like an Ivy League score game, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a high-scoring affair. And earlier today... Furman stunned Virginia. But here's the thing. Traditionally speaking, at least in my experience, Virginia's never been consistent in the brackets. They they just they either the one year you don't pick them, they do really good, or they they just bust your bracket pretty quickly. So March Madness is my good because it's such a cool time of year. This is when you know spring's coming. You got college basketball, the end of spring training, that nice transition period in the April. 
And that's what I like about it. It's stat wise. I mean, there's not really much to talk about, but I just, that, that it's a feel good thing to me. That feels good. The bad really is, and it's something that I was kind of noticing with the, the in terms of the, the injuries and just mentioning it's really that it's just the injuries and it's unfortunate what's going on with that. But as far as in the positional battle lineup is concerned, you're looking at Kerry Carpenter and 291 and you had a hit today, but the reason why that's kind of bad is because you also realize too, the Matt Verling hasn't played a lot because of injuries. So that outfield, I mean, that it's still kind of up in the air what's going to happen, but out of all the position play, out of all the position battles that are left, I think that, that it's the reason why it's bad is because it's still murky heading into the, even the regular season. Because if to me, you still have a clear cut. I mean, outside of Riley Green, who's had a really good spring, you come in with Austin Meadows having okay, you're going to slide him in right, but is it a guaranteed thing? You don't really have another hitter, and I haven't seen anything that known. Between Carpenter and I mean Carpenter's having a nice spring. He's close to 300. I get it, but I'm still concerned for the outfield because I don't see somebody that's going to come out and wreck shop. And this is a team that, offensively speaking, last year even from the from the outfield didn't get any production, and they're among league lows, so league worst. So I think that just to me that's bad, and that's a that's a red flag. It's something that we haven't really talked about, but again, maybe it's because of spring training stats. We shouldn't worry about it, but I'm concerned. I mean, if you look at the fact that I don't think the Tigers have a, a regular, like they can go, yeah, you know what? That guy's going to be at right field. It's going to be a hodgepodge. You don't know who's where except for Riley Green. Riley Green has cemented himself in center field, and that's really about it to me. So that's the reason why I thought that was bad. And my ugly, we mentioned it earlier with the whole, the WCB, WBC, and everything else, that sort of nature, all that Yes, and involved with it too, but imagine you're the Boston Red Sox. All right. So the Boston Red Sox are going to have Garrett Whitlock, Brian Bellow, and James Paxton on the IL. Paxton, no surprise there. The guy's been on the IL literally for the last on off for three years. He's, I mean, that's, that's a second living for him too. But that really shortens a Red Sox rotation that wasn't even deep enough already. So the Red Sox rotation needs a little bit of help, but they have, but the guys have like they have some minors are really kind of names like hey, hey Brian Mata, do you have any idea who he is? No. So the Red prospect, he was a good prospect. I I didn't know Bello. I think was more of a prospect too. Although I don't remember if he came up, but yeah, I mean you got Chris Sale who you you hope comes back, but he's been injured a lot over the last couple years. Some of it was freaky, but maybe that's just karma for him being who he is. James Paxton's been on the IL since he hit puberty. Yeah. <laughs> a long <Basically>. time. <laughs> I remember, I forget the, I almost forgot he was a Seattle Mariner, but yeah. 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 But it's just, I mean, then yet, but still, I mean, I, you're, you're relying on a lot of factors to go right with the Yankee, or excuse me, with the Red Sox rotation with Huber and even Sale back. It's not Chris Sale circa three or four years ago. So, but yeah, it's, that's my good and bad ugly this weekend. I, like I said, I wanted to mention the Tigers outfield because I don't think it's talked about enough. We've we seem to the infield wise, I think it's set. I think we, we have a good idea what's going on in the infield. So first base will probably be torque. I think at second base, you're going to see scope. And I think Hernandez is going to make the team somehow. And they're going to just figure out who they're going to cut shortstop. Bias is going to be there. 
at third Nate Mayton. Nate Mayton has cemented himself at third base. And then I, I think you, you could – and the reason why I think you've seen Haas in the outfield too is because Jake Rogers does kind of have a number one catcher tendency to him, and they don't really have an option. They don't really have another power bat out in the outfield right now. So – no, I mean, that's it would come down to Carpenter uh, there. Like, you know, do you want his power? Or do you want a little bit more of Badu's versatility? I mean, we'll see what they what they do. That's going to be, I think, one of the last decisions they make, probably. Did John, did you get to do your ugly or was was that the White Sox? No, uh, my Marlins were my ugly. Oh, okay, my bad. So I just want to go back to Zach Short. Just when you had us submit those roster guesses opening day, I got Zach Short on there. So I'm holding out hope. I think really? we might make everybody. He has a lot of, for some reason, there's a lot of Zach Short haters online. I think maybe he might piss them off and be there. I think it it may have something to do with like his career 140 batting average in the big leagues. But well, yeah. you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's always fewer than 200 plate appearances. It, we had this discussion in the Discord earlier today because it like you know discussing Zach Short over Ryan or like versus Ryan Kreidler, and neither of them are offensive superstars, right? And, and one thing I was talking about was Zach Short's a career 237 hitter in the minors, which is not a good sign. <laughs> We've talked about it, I think, before is, is, you know, batting average isn't the be-all, end-all. It's not a great stat, but if you can't hit better than 250 or so in the minors and you're not a catcher, the odds are you're not going to be much of a hitter in the big leagues. It's just just the stats say it. And and meanwhile, Kreidler is like a 248 hitter in the minors, so it's like it's not a whole lot better. In short, certainly will take his walks. And he will – he theoretically has power, but so does Kreidler. So it just it, – it depends on – what you're looking for, if they if they just want like every point of on base percentage they can get, then I think Short might make the team. I think Kryler's a better defender. He's a more natural shortstop. I think Zach Short is a second baseman, pretending at shortstop. But yeah, and you know, ultimately these are kind of you're, you're arguing about the 25th, 26th man on the roster here. Exactly. Yeah. Youper, it might depend on who's a better clubhouse guy, right? Oh, gotta have those intangibles. We gotta figure that one out. Yeah, culture. No, I don't, gotta build I don't the culture. Yeah, there's yeah, they just yeah. I, I sometimes love these debates online about this. It's it's because sometimes it's really good. It's a good spirit of things. Sometimes, in the case of when I posted earlier, the moment, the moment I posted about Jackson Job on the Tiger Mind Report Facebook page, old friend of the show Zach Jennings said, "I'm going to avoid Twitter like the plague." That's exactly what he said. He's exactly he's going to Facebook. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it is. yeah. So I put I put the video up in the chat of oh, the you know what? Oh, you it's, it's a page up there if you want to grab it or if you people yeah I'm, I'll, I'll grab I'll grab it yeah I'll grab it right here. So, uh, it's one of my it. favorites ever, and it was like some like French Canadian like ballet guy or I don't know what it was, but but no, yeah, boy, it was unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a good way to end the show because okay. I mean that you know like That's... we need. Do we need kind of that? What news was, yeah. If yeah, if, exactly. If, if there's a way to capsulize the whole Jackson Job thing, I would definitely go that way with that. But no, I, I think <laughs> okay. I remember this now. Let's yeah. Let's end the podcast with. Was, was there any questions? By the way, I didn't see. If anybody has any questions in the comments, let me know in the chat. We'll do yeah, like. Throw no, we didn't. We didn't put them out on Twitter, so I don't think we got any. Or at least I didn't yeah. see us. I meant to. Yeah, I meant to put that out earlier, and I didn't get a chance to. And. So, but yeah, without further ado, this is. Oh, yeah. Look at his face.
That was beautiful. Everybody's high fiving each other. Everybody's high fiving each other. And no one cares about the dude. It's just like, he's just like minding his own business. He's taking a camera and just gets, well, let me see if I can find the. Beautiful. Gif of that somewhere. Yeah, so it was more in the middle, I think. Yeah, here it is. It's just I, I want to watch it in slow motion. We're children. We're children at the end of the day, folks. Oh, man. People, yeah. Okay, so we do have a question about the rotation. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do answer that. All right, I can stop. All right, compose ourselves. We're professionals. All right. So Harrison asked what the rotation will look like. I think, you know... It was something that somebody brought up earlier. I started thinking about this, and look, I I think that the rotation is going to be this. I think it's going to be Matthew Boyd, Central Turnbull, Michael Lorenz. What am I missing? Raul Rodriguez and Bo Brisky. No, 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 no. I think Joey Wentz. I think Joey Wentz or Bo Brisky. So I, I think Matt Manning gets some time in Toledo. Wow, really. Yeah, I think mine would be just flip out Brisky for Manning, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just it's hard for me to see Matt Manning starting in Toledo. I don't know. I think Brisky could probably start in the bullpen, but I don't think they're gonna they give up on Manning this early. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with John. I think Manning probably does make it, but there's nothing wrong if he goes to AAA. I mean, word for Max Scherzer once upon a time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's depends on how much they're weighing spring performance versus last year's performance, I guess, because I think Joey Wentz has been the better pitcher this spring. We also have heard that Matt Manning was, you know, slowly ramping up, so I don't know if that's part of the plan. Yeah. I think he better start pitching better soon. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard for me to pencil anybody. I guess that's my five in pencil is, is with the other two guys is, is what we've basically been expecting. But if Manning does continue to scuffle and Wentz continues to pitch the way he has, I could absolutely see him winning the job because at a certain point you have to reward guys for performing, right? Or else, so what's the point? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just don't see if Manning's struggling, why? Yeah. Anyway, as far as there was a question there about Devin to the IL and Abanez, I think the injury update earlier had of him, I think they were. Just, not do the comeback for another. I, I'm not sure what's going on with Abayans, but I know Nevin. I think it's still out for another week or yeah. two. And Nevin's and, was an oblique, right? Like that. Those yeah. are it's like a month long injury, I think. And Abayans was what his hamstring. I don't remember what yeah. it was. And the, the rotation and Samuel brings up a good point. I, I like what he said about Matthew Boyd and, and some of the sa- solid numbers were small sample size. Again, I, I've mentioned this last week, and I will continue to say so. The Tigers' rotation is something to consider as a weakness because none of these guys have pitched above 100 innings, and they're, they're, it's going to be a slow ramp-up. And you're going on a brutal schedule. You're asking this rotation to carry you in a month where you're playing a lot of teams that were like postseason bound or potentially even this year. And <laughs> I, I think that, that that is a concern. And Matthew Boyd has looked good in spring. But again, this is spring's a little different. When you get up there 
up there. So that's where I, I feel like I, until I see if I saw five straight starts of this, then I'd be like, well, okay, well, Matthew, new Matthew Boyd, thank you. We like that, but we'll see what happens. As far as relievers hitting 100 miles per hour, I think there's been. I want to say that the, the gentleman we spoke about earlier, right, Chris? Yeah, Anur Zabala hit 100. We've seen Elvis Alvarado hit 100 before. He didn't this spring. I'm not sure if either of those guys will actually pitch for the Tigers at all this year. So I, I, I don't, I can't, can't think. Maybe Wingetter, you know, really lets loose one time and gets up to 99 or 100 if he makes the team. But I don't, I can't think of anybody else who's really going to even flirt with triple digits. I mean, Lang will hit 97, 98. Foley, Foley's hit 100 in the past, but he's more of like a 96, 97 guy now. Who else is out there? I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think Kervin Castro throws much harder than like 96. Diaz. Yeah, Diaz is a mid 90s guy with a good changeup. So yeah, I can't can't think of anybody who's going to actually you know consistently hit triple digits like like Gregory Soto did a lot, but you know, whatever. Yeah, there's. There's, I think that the Tigers do have a couple guys that are getting close there. As far as the Reese, Wol- Reese Olsen update is concerned, still no, he still hasn't thrown as of yet. So nothing, nothing's changed on that front. But you're talking about what? <laughs> Apparently, my dog, my dog's been the producer tonight. My dog has been sitting next to me on the camera side of things. So I'm going to present her here. You want attention? You want attention? Is that what it is? You want attention? Come here. Come here. Come on the camera. She wants attention. So, sorry, I got distracted there for a moment. But the the one number, there was a guy, it was yesterday for, I think it was, I want to say, the, was it Neris still throwing for the Dominican Republic? Do you guys see some of his? Yeah, there was, yeah, in Camilo Duvall. Duvall, that Duvall yeah, was. Duvall, yeah. 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 I mean, there were there were like 30 pitches that were over 100 miles per hour in that game from like four different guys. It was absurd. <laughs> There's some big arms out there these days. Yeah, look at look look at this. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. One on one, one all one on one, just right there. And I was surprised he didn't get any swings and misses, but a lot of them were just like just slightly off. So, yeah. But no, at, at any rate, yeah, I think that was actually the does the new schedule lead to entire central finishing under five hundred? Yes, mm. yes, yes. The AL Central is going to be bad this year, so. Do you remember, right. what was it, like two years ago when the Tigers were unexpectedly good? They had, like, an above 500 record against every good team they played except the AL Central when they got demolished by, like, by the Cleveland and, and Minnesota and stuff. Like, I don't know. You never underestimate the ability of Major League Baseball teams to play down to their competition. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if the Tigers are 500 or better against, like, the AL East this year. It just It's kind of random, right? Or somehow they'll, they'll go out west, and they have always struggled in Oakland or California every time they play Anaheim. Yeah, basically the coast, yeah. Yeah, they have always struggled for whatever reason. I Maybe it's the – I think the Tigers will – I think all the teams travel the least amount or something like that, too. Remember that map we were looking at? There was somehow some way the Tigers managed to beat Yeah, them. yeah it was like they have the, the biggest – reduction in miles traveled from last yes. year, year or something like that yeah it's like yeah it didn't make a whole lot of sense but cool yeah i'll, I'll take that the week. Chris Illich on that gas money yeah <laughs> so on that note thank you so much for listening to woodward tigers again tonight i know it was a little i was i'll admit it i'm 
a little scattered, but I've been up since like 4.35 o'clock this morning. I've just been, again, I should have just done the show early like we did. Then I would be a little more fresher. But thanks so much for everybody listening. We appreciate the impromptuness of everybody coming in on Ray, Ray McConnell, who's been a long-time listener. Thanks, man. I, it's good to see you on the chat. Everybody on the chat, really appreciate it. And, of course, go to woodwardsports.com. Check out all the great content over there. And also, Tiger, man, look, here, okay. Listen up, people. Spread the word. We are at 910 on Tiger Mountain Report. We're just 90 subscribers away from hitting 1,000. Do me a favor. Anybody you know, your grandmother or <laughs> uncle, the your that dude at the office that just farts and walks away and crop dusts you, whatever. Whoever it is, you're, whoever's listening out there. Crop dusty, and, yes. The crop dust guy or whatever. Please tell them to subscribe to the channel. If we get to a thousand, that means we actually can make money. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I can pay people like John to do things. I can pay Youper. I can get Youper new equipment. <laughs> well, and, and wow. Some, I, I think it was Jeremy was asking if, if we're, you know, going to try to get more minor league interviews. I think absolutely. Definitely yeah. during the, the course of the season, and we're working on some others behind the scenes. But Well, Jackson Job has some time on his hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, we interviewed him last year from after you know, we got some video from, from, from Brian Payne's office. But, yeah, we, we, I mean, we want to do that. And the, the greater, you know, impact we have, the larger footprint on YouTube, the more likely that sort of thing is going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, hey. I assume everybody in here already does follow us because they're, you know, listening to us talk about baseball on a Thursday night at 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, Sam, Sam, Samuel McLean just subscribed. So, All right. you Yeah, Sam, you're the man. So if, if anybody who's, uh, like, who's not subscribed to us, please do. And, yeah, Birdball, everybody, thank you so much. Because the, the moment we do, and then, like I said, then I can do giveaways, like give you guys shirts and all that stuff. Because when I have a little extra money, you know, I, I throw it around. I've thrown throw away shirt giveaways. And then we did giveaways last year for – Woodward Tigers too, so we'll do them again, or we'll do them through the Tiger Mind Report. It all depends on what's going on. But again, this is just—it's just a way. Like people ask, like, "Why do you guys do this? Oh, you expect to get paid?" Well, there's people out there who put Patreons and they get money like that when they need new gear. So I don't understand why asking for a few bucks to go get gas and all that stuff. And yes, we're going to be. There's more. I did a clip tonight about Jackson Job, so we're going to be more more. Now that I have free time, I'm just now writing for Woodward Tigers. I'm not no longer the web editor. I'm taking a step back and just focusing on baseball content. So now that I have a little more free time, that allow me to do things like I did earlier. So, again, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. And, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Jeremy got Jeremy was one of the first ones that won a shirt. So, yeah, I'm like I said, the more we have, the better. And if you're swinging A like John, we can, give, we can get him some better gear and – Oh, what? what did you say? He's got a swing and A's shirt on. He's yeah. got a swing and A's shirt on. So, Samuel, oh, thanks. Yeah, let's see this. Samuel, thanks so much for the compliment. We appreciate yeah, thanks, it. And Sam. we look forward to talking to you on Sunday. We'll be doing the Sunday show as the Tigers are now will be in the home stretch of spring training. And they will be before the season opener on March 30th against the Rays. So, until Sunday, have a good weekend, everybody.